Christchurch, New Morgan, 26th of January 2020, 9.30 service. Tim Davis speaking on 2020 Vision, a church that cares for older people. So, yeah, um, being a church, our, our vision of being a church that cares for older people. Uh, Jane, my wife, was very pleased when she saw this topic on the preaching program and even more pleased when she saw that I was the one tasked with speaking on it uh, because as she likes to regularly, daily remind me, I will always be older than her. Plus my general lack of fitness compared to her super fitness means I'm much more prevalent in my sort of general complaining of aches and pains than she is. So basically what it amounts to is I get called an old man at home quite a lot. Um, so to be given this topic to speak on was ample cause for mockery as far as Jane was concerned. But what she hadn't considered is how this morning we're going to be thinking about all the biblical principles for respecting your elders. Hey darling, love you. So what, what does the Bible say about getting old? Well, on the whole, it's, you know, actually I think it's pretty positive. I mean, you know, the Bible presents growing old as normal, as a natural part of this world. There is honor involved in the aging process because growing old is normally accompanied by increased wisdom and experience and knowledge. And even certain physical side effects that accompany aging uh, are to be celebrated. Proverbs, it says, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. And the glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. So shout out to my gray brothers and sisters. Gray power. And you know, when God gave the law to his people, he instructed Moses to say to them, stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. And Proverbs again says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And yeah, as we're in church this morning, um, let's just hear again that verse in the reading we had from 1 Timothy chapter 5. The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy, uh, who direct the affairs of the church well, are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Got a message? Brilliant. We can leave it there. Yes, no, right, probably not. She probably considers, I guess, a little bit more. Um, but it seems like, you know, looking at that, being old rocks. You know, it's not about rocking backwards and forwards in the chair. It's, it's about living. It's great, isn't it? Why is there a need to bother to care for elderly people? We're living, they're living the best years of their lives. So why are we thinking about how we can be a church that cares for them? Well, I guess because... Getting old is more and more, you know, the popular thing to do. We are living longer and longer. There are more people over 65 alive today than at any other time in history. It's interesting that in the passage we had read from Paul's first letter to Timothy, that he has a special concern for widows. But that's because women live longer than men. It was true back then, and it's just as true today. Uh, a study into the longevity of cats found that this was the case in nature too, that, that females live longer than males. Interestingly, actually, as part of that study, they found that uh, neutered male cats actually lived longer than their unchopped brothers. 
So it seems that the answer to living a long life, you know, ladies, keep on doing what you're doing. And men, just remember those cats. <laughs> the problem is, though, you know, we, we know all too well that getting older isn't one long retirement party spent on endless saga cruises or playing the grandchildren in our cottage in the Cotswolds. It's, it can be a time of increasing challenge and difficulty. The significance of our aging population, it goes far beyond just seeing more and more grey hair on your modern high street. Older people often fall prey to chronic diseases that more often may not kill, but leave the sufferers with pain, difficulty in performing routine tasks, and a need of expensive health care and specialist support. You know, as, as our society becomes more aged, more grey, who foots the increasing medical bill for this? And furthermore, such longevity has steadily increased the gap between retirement and death. Our social security systems were designed for a time when that time span between end of job and end of life was much shorter. Will it be able to continue to meet the ever-growing needs of an ever-expanding generation? And so, our aging world demands that society's leaders focus on this growing, this burgeoning segment of our population. What are its needs and desires as it enters its twilight years? And how can younger members of society help the elderly live productive and rich lives? Why even should they? Well, as we've seen, first of all, it's, you know, it's a biblical principle to be respectful, to show respect to older people. Christianity's understanding of family and elderly care is deeply rooted in the history of ancient Israel. When Moses descended Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, he, he carried with him the foundations for society that was just as relevant then as it is now. And in the very center of these commands, God gave an instruction concerning the family says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. We often think of this commandment as, you know, mainly being about children obeying their parents, young children being respectful to adults, especially as we often hear the Ten Commandments for the first time as a child. But, you know, these commandments were given to adults, not children. And although every parent had a responsibility to teach the children, to teach their children the law of God, they were also expected to live it and model it. And Paul picks up on something in his letter to the church at Ephesus where he notes that, you know, this commandment is the first one which contains a promise. We honor our parents so that we may all live long and happy lives. It becomes the pattern for all generations. We care for those who are older. We love them just as they cared and loved us when we were younger. And collectively, we all lead long, happy lives. But of course, the reality is it's not always happy. The reality is that our bodies don't work as well as they used to the older we get. Among the most disturbing aspects of growing old is 
the increasing frequency of senile dementia. It seems so dreadfully unfair that people so afflicted should be robbed of their intellectual and emotional and social vitality while their physical bodies continue to survive. And a few years ago in my job, I was doing some research into levels of repension and retirement income in different countries around the world. And it was amazing to see that there were still several countries in the kind of old East Europe, West Asia regions, where people could expect to receive a fraction from the state compared to what we do here in the UK in retirement. Partly, this was due to much lower life expectancy and that people would ex be expected to have enough savings to live on for that shorter time of life after they stop working. But it was also still very much the cultural expectation that the younger generation would take care of the old. Parents, grandparents, would live with their offspring and be taken care of in their old age. This older generation who had given so much was seen as worthy of care and respect. They have so much experience to teach us, knowledge to share with us, but above all, at the end of their lives, they are worthy of receiving so much from us. Unfortunately, caring for our parents and the elderly in their old age is no longer an obligation that many are willing to accept. Sometimes the elderly can be seen as burdens rather than blessings. Sometimes we are quick to forget the sacrifices our parents made for us when they are in need of care themselves. Instead of taking them into our homes, whenever that is safe and feasible, we can put them in retirement communities or nursing homes, sometimes against their will. We may not value the wisdom that they've acquired through living their long lives. We could discredit their advice as outdated or somehow irrelevant. Not all older people need or want constant live-in care in, or being in their children's homes. They may prefer to live in a community with people of their other age, of their same age. Or they may be quite capable of complete independence. But regardless of the circumstances, we still have an obligation to our parents and older people. You know, if they are in need of assistance, be it practical or financial, we should help them. If they are sick, we should be prepared to take care of them. If they need a place to stay, we should be willing to offer our homes. If they need help with everyday jobs in their homes, we should be ready and ready to step up and assist. And if they are under the care of a nursing facility, we should be diligent to assess the living conditions to make sure that our parents and loved ones are properly and lovingly cared for. We shouldn't ever allow the cares of the world to overshadow the things that are most important. Serving God through serving people, especially the people in our families. The early Christian church acted as a kind of NHS and social services for the other believers around them. They cared for the poor, the sick, the widows, the orphans, those who had no one else to care for them. Christians who had family members in need were expected to meet those needs. Because when we honour 
and care for older people, we are serving God as well, and we are serving God well. The passage in 1 Timothy chapter 5 had particular instructions to the church to look after and care for widows. A widow in Paul's time would have had to fend for herself, particularly if she had no surviving children either. It was simply a case of work or die, which then becomes a case of work until you die. Jesus himself came across a widow in a city called Nain. It was at the funeral for her only son. Uh, She had already lost her husband. And she had no one now to care for her, no one to comfort her. And it says that Jesus was moved to compassion when he saw her, so much so that he went and interrupted this funeral procession and brought her son back to life. The early Christians followed Jesus' lead in this regard of care and compassion for the elderly. They became known for caring not only for their own sick and older people, but also for the needy people and communities around them. This is all the more important in society, which didn't have many of the modern safety nets that we rely on and that we get used to. And that is something we must also be aware of. We can't just pass the responsibility on to someone else. That's why we are so passionate here at Christchurch about the social gospel. It's why we believe that actively demonstrating God's love and compassion to all people but especially those often marginalized or neglected by society, that to us is what true, authentic Christian mission is about. Honoring the elderly is so important to Paul that he says that anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those are quite strong words, but perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. You know, Jesus had already said that all the commandments could be summarized into two things. Loving God with all of one's heart, soul, and mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And it's this to me that is right at the crux of how we as a church should be. How we should be a church that cares for older people. It's about love. It's about loving people as ourselves, equality. And it's about dignity. And these three things, for me, are central to how we should act. Um, The playwright, Alan Bennett, wrote a series of dramatic monologues for television called Talking Heads. And one which I always remember watching was one called Waiting for the Telegram. It was about an elderly lady, played by the late Thora Hurt. She was 99 years old and in hospital having suffered a stroke and waiting for her telegram from the Queen. And in this particular scene that I'm going to quickly play now is where she describes being visited by her son. So it's there, it's just what it's. I drop off and when I wake up, there's a fella by my bed. He goes, hello. I said, hello, and shut my eyes again. They send these folks round to test you. When I open them again, he's still there. Hello, he goes. The fattish fella, 60-odd, gingery tash. He said, it's Donald, mother. I'm your son. Well, he didn't look like a son. Looked more like a father. Big wristwatch, a tashy case. 
one of those green raincoaty things they shoot in. Anyway, I take the notice, and it starts on the hello game again. Hello. Hello. Made me feel like a budgie. I said, bugger off. It's quite a sweet, bittersweet, funny scene. But I always remember as I watched it for the first time, just that patronizing tone of her son kept coming back to me. Like, hello, hello. You know, treating older people with love, care, respect, equality, and above all, dignity is so important. I used to have a wonderful downstairs neighbor called Betty. Uh, she died a couple of years ago, aged 101. I used to love just quickly popping down to see her. I, I, you know, I, just, I might have had a little note from my door from her asking me a question or something, and I'd just go down and see how she is, check on her for 10 minutes or so. But those 10 minutes would frequently turn into an hour and 10 minutes as we would just chat about everything and anything. I loved my late-night chats with Betty, but I realized that the first couple of times... I found that I was talking to her with this kind of simplistic, almost patronizing tone, as if she was a child, rather than this wonderful, valued, elderly lady. And as soon as I changed my approach and spoke to her as an equal, as someone deserving of my respect, then I was ensuring that she felt treated with dignity too. Being robbed of our physical capabilities can rob us of our dignity. And Betty, over time, had become less and less mobile. Her eyesight and earsight were deteriorating. And towards the end of her life, senile dementia was beginning to set in. But she was no less deserving of dignity. It becomes the responsibility of the younger generation to make sure that is maintained. Caring for our loved ones at the end, it's not an easy thing to do. It's desperately hard to see fathers and mothers and other older people that we know, these people who were giants in our lives when we were younger, to see them slowly losing their strength and health. Not only is such a strong role reversal a reminder of our own mortality, but it brings feelings of protection to the fore. No one wants to see a loved one hurting. The church can often be seen to be at odds with much contemporary opinion around the euthanasia debate and the right to die. There's this tension around what is the right approach to dignity and death. And our response is very much focused on, and in my personal opinion, quite rightly so, the care that we provide to people at the end of their lives. The dignity we ensure is maintained, and the care we give in ensuring they receive appropriate treatment and comfort, whilst never seeking to extend suffering, to extend suffering unnecessarily. Now, the euthanasia topic debate, that's one for another day. But I just want to end with considering this idea of equality. Equality in the Christian church is something that is central to a lot of Paul's writings. In his letter to the Galatians, he famously writes, you know, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
And I think he could easily have added to that, there is neither old nor young. Because he regularly sees the old and young relationship as this two-way dynamic with each party deserving of respect and care and love and dignity. He specifically says to Timothy, the guy he's writing to, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. And later on in that letter, as we heard, not only does he write that the elders of the church were worthy of honor, but that they were equally worthy of public rebuke if they were found to be sinning. No one person is more worthy than the other. We must love and care for everybody, both young and old, equally. Modeling care for older people is to model Christ's care and concern for all. It demonstrates the way that we would wish to be treated ourselves. And it's about demonstrating the same love, equality, and dignity that we would wish to be shown by others at every stage of our lives. So how do we as a church do that? How do we as a church be one that cares for older people? There are several practical ways of helping. You could start by making friends with someone older. As Stephen said, it's too easy, I think, as a 930 congregation to be disconnected from the predominantly older congregation at our 11 o'clock service. So why not make the effort to come to one of the variety of events here at Christchurch and make friends with somebody from a different service? Get to know them. Found out why they came to Christchurch and what their faith means to them. Talk with them. Listen to them. You can help by giving lifts to people who might otherwise not get to church. We currently have a good rotor of people who give lifts to older people at our 11 o'clock service, but the people giving lifts are elderly themselves, and soon they're going to need lifts. You can see if someone might need help with their general household duties, with the shopping and cleaning, etc. But above all, remember to treat older people around us with love. Treat them as equals. Treat them as worthy of respect and dignity. Because remember, you will probably be like them one day. And you're worthy of all that, aren't you?